Hey guys, welcome to Activism Uncensored with the Brown Activists, a series where we discuss activism from a Gen Z perspective. This season, hosts Prana, Meg, and Minakshi will tackle all things activism in the South Asian community, from cultural awareness to stigmas. On today's podcast episode, the Brown Activists will discuss the role of Asians in college admissions process. First, we'll start off with the model minority myth. The model minority myth is a minority demographic whose members are perceived as achieving a higher degree of socioeconomic success than the population average. This is really important when we talk about Asians and college admissions because it really affects how many Asians go go into Ivy League schools or colleges in general. And if we're talking about Frisco and other places that are really densely Asian populated, most of us come from higher income families and this really feeds into the myth because most colleges will be like, oh, they're successful, their family is rich. And that just feeds into how Asians have a harder time getting into colleges. Not to mention, populations with higher Asians have really competitive districts and that comes with so many disadvantages. Especially with those competitive Asian districts, as Minashi was saying, SAT scores stop becoming a scale of importance in admission. And there are two factors to this particularly. There's income and then there's use of resources. And in terms of income, for example, people living in Frisco, Bay Area, New Jersey, you know, there are a lot of competitive Asian filled districts where a lot of the people living in there, especially feeding into the model minority myth, a lot of them are higher income families. And when you have people of higher income generally in the district, you still have lower income students there as well. But you can clearly see the disadvantage that, you know, being lower income is in those districts when it comes in terms of SAT scores or even grades, because those higher income families, they can afford, you know, the resources the classes, et cetera, to get those higher SAT scores, higher grades, get rank one at school. When you're considering a low income Asian student, they might not be able to get those scores, even if they try really hard because they don't have the resources. You know, like they only have the free resources you can use online and not saying that you can't get anything out of them, but you're clearly at an advantage when you have the income resources versus something that could be free. And in terms of the resources itself, even within the higher income Asian communities within these competitive districts. You obviously like have those higher income families that spend on resources for their families versus, you know, the higher income families who could potentially be saving and using that money on other things rather than resources for schooling. So you might have a higher income student using Khan Academy to study versus a higher income student having like private tutoring for their SAT. And what could potentially come out of it is that even though they're higher income, you know, it shows that like, you know, someone could have a higher score than the other person. And when considering college admissions and how they use the like whole rounded applicant context, right, considering higher income, they're going to be like, oh, why didn't this higher income student use their resources to their advantage and get that higher SAT score? Clearly, the use of resources shows that disadvantage. And that's all kind of feeding into the myth and how, you know, Asians are supposed to get that higher SAT scores. No, maybe that person could shine in another light rather than SAT score. And it all comes down to the context of taking that test in the first place, you know, taking those tests to get those perfect grades. And that also kind of plays into stereotypes within the scales of admission, which I'd like to talk about really quickly. When you consider the UC system, for example, where they're 
test blind and also race blind in admissions. First of all, with test blind, that means they can't accept any SAT score whatsoever. They don't even look at that when considering applications and race blind where they don't look at race itself. When considering the Asian student, even though the name of the student and their race is covered up, you can clearly see based on their extracurricular activities, what the stereotype is for us and how that plays into our lack or admission into colleges. For example, I'm going to take a study by SuperTutor TV that I saw earlier, where they took a study of four people. They took a study of a white person with normal white person activities. They took a white person with stereotypically Asian activities, being violin, fencing, tennis, HOSA, etc. Then they took two Asian students, one Asian students with unstereotypical activities, example, going to politics or something versus a, an Asian with stereotypical activities, having violin, tennis, et cetera, as I was mentioning. Out of these four students, the two white students, they were both kind of ranked the same in like the admissions to colleges, but with the Asian students with like unique activities, they had slightly higher admissions, but for the Asians with stereotypical Asian activities, they had drastically lower admissions rate to these colleges compared to the other three students. This plays into UC schools because when you can see a student's extracurriculars and you see that they're stereotypically Asian activities that your parents forced you to do when you were in middle school, but you couldn't change because you've been doing them for so long, it puts those people at a disadvantage. And you see this a lot in competitive districts where those are the only things that some people can do because they they might be passionate about violin, you know? Who knows, but that still plays a disadvantage just because of the stereotype that has been building in college admissions. So you can clearly see that race is like a, still a hot topic in college admissions. And you can see that in affirmative action, action, which was adopted decades ago. So, you know, in affirmative action basically focuses on creating quotas for everyone in, in terms of creating more representation for minorities, which is what they want to aim to do. Except while it is, while it does seem like a good idea, it doesn't always work out that way. And states like California are starting to realize this and they're adopting, you know, race-blind admissions, which also seems like a good idea. And it mostly is, except it can also have harmful consequences. And this is mainly because of things like bias. So for example, an admissions officer might be seen in application and they'll be seeing that that student has stereotypically Asian activities, like such as doing violin and doing tennis. And they might not know that that student is Asian, which should be helping them, but because of their bias, they'll think, oh, this is an Asian. So like, they're going to be more competitive than other Asians as well. But of course, race blind admissions can also be really helpful because it allows for other minorities to do ECs that they care about and have a different profile and they won't have to necessarily stand out in terms of their population, but compared to everyone else. This leads to the question of who benefits from affirmative action. We know that white people are not affected in any way because of affirmative action. And this is proven because of the Fisher versus the University of Texas. Fisher is a white female woman who decided to apply to the University of Texas, but was denied. 
This is for a number of reasons. She did not have the best GPA. She had a very average SAT score, and she did not qualify for the Texas top 10% plan, which basically guarantees admission to top 10% in every in-state school. And this led to a lot of confusion because she was basically arguing that affirmative action um, is harmful to white people because race is considered. But if you think about it, the whole point of affirmative action for minorities is to allow for better admission and better diversity. However, the affirmative action only benefits um, African-Americans, Hispanics, Natives, anyone who really isn't Asian-American. And this is because of the this is because of the model minority myth. Asians are purposely excluded because uh, colleges often lump them into one stereotype saying, oh, they're rich or they're all smart. And this is because of SAT scores and a number of other reasons. This is really harmful because even though colleges want, you know, a diverse school and to fit their quotas, if, if essentially this, this means that Asians are excluded and, you know, not admitted as much as Meg mentioned with the study. So there was a similar scandal involving Harvard and racism, especially Asians and Asian Americans. So to give a quick overview, there was a group called the Students for Fair Admissions, the same one that was actually involved in the Fisher versus UT case. They said that Harvard participated in illegal racial, racial balancing. And they found this to be a huge issue and it eventually resulted in affirmative action being banned for the universities. And so once the scandal and the Fisher uh, scandal happened, people started to think more about the role of race in college admissions. And I, I would agree that like, we need to take a different approach with race and colleges should really look into multiple factors when doing college admissions. And particularly they should think about admissions in the context of the student and the student's life. Like similarly, you see that colleges take into account the student, student's high school when you know, doing rank and GPA. They should do the same when it comes to comparing their extracurriculars and you know, SAT scores and any other standardized testing scores they may submit. Because while you might be living in a wealthy area, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily wealthy. You could be a low income student and be put at a disadvantage, but because you live in a wealthy area where people around you do better, you would be put at a significant disadvantage and not be doing as competitively. And this is also where the whole idea of holistic admissions come in, because there used to be this, you know, idea that colleges want well-rounded students. They want students who participate in everything and, you know, provide, do a wide variety of activities. But now that started to change and now colleges would rather like to have a well-rounded class and have unique individuals in their class. And a lot of students do this by having a spike and doing really well in one area, or they might even do really unique activities to help them stand out. Now, while this is also a good idea to help you stand out as an individual in college admissions, that's just not feasible for everyone. For example, you might want to aim to be like the top tennis player under the age of 18 in the country. Great, that's a great goal, but that's just not going to happen for everyone. You realize that you need to have a lot of resources for that to happen, such as financial resources. There's a lot of travel costs and getting gear and all these other things that come to play. So that's where you also have to consider a context. So that's where holistic admissions can also be really dicey. 
And especially like Perna was talking about in terms of context, the big debate that's going on is the debate of equality versus equity. Now, in terms of equality and equality, meaning like affirmative action, it's giving me equal resources to everyone, like race-wise, for example, giving everyone an equal percentage of spots within a freshman class at a university. That's sort of what affirmative action was going for and you know, giving more equal chances to everyone. But is it really equal race-wise when you know a lot of qualified people that could be white, that could be African American, that could even be Asian, you know, because of like myth, the minority myth and everything going on with Harvard admission scandal and the recent stereotypes in the past couple of years of Asians being stereotypically smart so they can get in anywhere so they don't need to be admitted to our class because they're too stereotypical right that plays into affirmative action inequality where you know everyone's given the equal number of resources but who's actually winning clearly in terms of what Minakshi was saying about affirmative action clearly the white people in college admissions processes are winning and example Asians may not be winning in terms of affirmative action as we've seen with the Harvard racism scandal but with equity which is something that we should all be looking towards in terms of college admissions you can see that equity is the quality of being fair and impartial and in terms of college college admissions seeing applicants in terms of their context and you know going towards more race blind policies even if sometimes because of human error it might not turn out well most of the times when talking about race blind and you know test blind it really shows the fairness of including Asians within your overall context of college admissions and showing that, you know, stereotypes don't have to always play into college admissions and that, you know, there can be a holistic class without having to give spots to certain people where it doesn't really benefit one group where it over benefits another group such as, you know, the white population in affirmative action universities versus the Asian population in affirmative action universities. And really, uh, the biggest thing to think about is that, you know, 17 and 18 year olds, like people that are really young, we shouldn't have to worry about if we're, you know, a national champion or like the best tennis player, we should just be able to be teenagers and not have to worry about so much pressure, like so young into our lives. And with that, we have come to the end of our episode for today. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Brown Activist and on Twitter at Brown Activist underscore. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next season. Bye.